welcome. You're listening to a sermon podcast from Oak Hills Church in Folsom, California. Well, if you would stand for our scripture reading today, uh, Manuel mentioned earlier that we're in the last week of this series called Tell the Story, and today we're focusing on this communal practice of remembering, the importance of looking back remembering what God has done, remembering who he is, remembering what he's done, so that we can turn and go forward with confidence in him. Today's scripture, just a couple verses from Deuteronomy 8. I'm going to read verses 2 through 4. It's on page 184. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. You may be wondering, why is he wearing shorts? That'll get clear soon enough. It's all part of the little adventure we're on together here today. But In the book of Deuteronomy, one of the themes that comes up over and over and over again is this simple idea of remember. Think about what you do when you're with your family now and then. You get together, you start to share stories, and what you're doing is you're thinking backward about remember when this happened, remember when that happened, and there's something in the telling of those stories that pulls you together and tightens things up with you as a family. I suppose it could push you apart depending on the story, but... We're focused on the good side today. This idea of coming together, sharing stories, looking backward, laughing, remembering, so that we recall this is what happened in our past. We've been saying this for the last few weeks. I've been mentioning that the last several months that we're at an interesting time in the history of Oak Hills. And when we look out into the future, there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of unknown, but all of it is good and all of it we're looking forward to. And we're in a bit of a stretch here where today and some other times that we'll tell you about, we're going to look back for the purpose of remembering, remembering who we have been, remembering how we got here. And especially and most of all and above all, by looking backward, remembering God has been good to us over the years of our church. He's been faithful to us. And we're going to remember that and then take the confidence that gives us to walk into this fun and uncertain future. So we're going to do that today. And to get us going, I'd like to invite up the founder of Oak Hills Church, Pastor. Good job. I'm going to give you a heads up before this gets too far down the road. What? This could not you. I'm talking to the people here. This could go off the tracks, big time. If you've got a 1138 brunch reservation, bump it to 12. We're not going to make it. So we're just, I'm just going to tell you, the children's ministry knows, relax, the table awaits, relax. but it might, might take us some time to get there. So, Pastor Kent, yes. talk about how the church got started, where it originated, where you originated, how it all began. Not where I originated. No, not where you originated. Let's not go off the tracks so, in the no, first place. All right, keep I was going. born at a very early yep. age. The, the, um, 
We started Oak Hills Church, Diane and I, in 1984. In fact, Diane uh, came out here. Uh, she's not here. She's watching from home today. And uh, she, came, well, she was six months pregnant with Holly, who's... Holly, did you leave? You're still there, Holly. Uh, and, um, and so that's, that's where it began. We began uh, actually in a, a little Bible study in Eldorado Hills, but then we rented some uh, uh, retail space in... Uh, at Folsom. What's the restaurant there now? Subway? No, Kentucky Fried Chicken's right there, yeah, right? right? Where Kentucky Fried Chicken is. And it uh, used to be Margaritaville, Teal Pepe's, all these things over the years. But the uh, we rented there for a while, and then we moved to what was then the high school. Now it's uh, junior, junior high, uh, middle school. And um, we're there for 18 months. Uh, but the first seven years or so, the church kind of grew gradually, but we got up to about a couple hundred people, 250 people, and everyone knew each other. When we had a meeting, uh, we'd call, it'd be, or a gathering, or a fun thing, or a party, everybody came. So everyone knew each other. It was just really fun. But one of the things we realized is that we, while we were doing a good job of growing and reaching church people, we were not doing a very good job of reaching non-church people. So uh, there are seven of us. Um, Hold on. Let me ask you one thing before sure. we go there. So in the early years, it was kind of a, we're just having fun, going out to lunch, worshiping together. It was a typical, what you might call traditional church. Yes. In a non-traditional way. Yes. Because you were leading. Well, yes. I mean. (laughs) Right? Yes. I mean, frankly, I I, I won't go into details. Yeah. Okay, good. Trying to move on. Yeah, way to go. And uh, so 1990 comes along or something precedes that, but talk about that whole. Right. That's the. um, and so uh, we realized that, that the church was not growing very well in terms of bringing non-church people in, by people coming to faith in Christ. And so we began to talk about that, and there was this big conference out in Chicago, a little Creek conference, that seven of us went. We called them the Chicago Seven. Uh, there's, few of, there's several who are still here. There's myself, Rick Leary over here, who was our first staff person. He had just come on staff. Is Grendel there? Nope. Uh, Manuel Luce was a part of that, and Manuel, uh, after that, was brought on staff. And, uh, and then uh, Thomas Pooley. Pooley, where are you? Uh, back hiding, back over here. And a few others who uh, have been a part of that as well. Some of you know Gino Skulik, and, and so there's seven. And um, we went there, and the, the, I could go into detail, but it was a week trip. And one of the things that was said from the upfront is that people who are outside the family of God matter to you, so matter to God, so why don't they matter to you? And that message, I remember sitting there with my head in my hand, hearing that, and I looked down the row at all seven of us, and everyone had their head in their hands and saying, okay, we got to do something. So we came back and pursued what was then known as the Willow Creek model. Uh, our worship service moved to, uh, leaving out a bunch of details, but moved to midweek to Thursday, and our weekend service, Saturday night, Sunday, um, was uh, we call it, it was called the seeker service where there was always drama, sometimes dance, uh, kind of hip music. We had great musicians. It was like putting a theatrical production together every week. The idea is that people could come, but and they didn't have to say anything, sign anything, give anything. They can come and watch, and in the process, we would present a invitation to be followers of Jesus, and many people did. And during that time. The, about uh, we we were one of the fastest, if not the fastest-growing church in the Sacramento area, and uh, we finally got into this building, 
and uh, we were having a great time. Uh, and I think uh, Colleen will get into some of the details, but there was something in us during this time around the year 2000 where we began to realize that our way of doing church was shaping people. You shape, we shaped people, in a sense, into consumers, into spectators. Uh, and that discipleship was only assimilation into the life of, of, of the church. Everyone, everything was oriented to coming into the life of the church as opposed to out there in our own growth uh, internally. So you, internally. So you could, uh, for example, come to be a very active part of Oak Hills, but perhaps you're the same jerk you were when you first came uh, because of not having, there are other words I could have used. But, yeah, uh, thank you for not. Sure. But, they, uh, but we realized that laborious and very intentional process of deep spiritual growth was going to take some other work. And we would have to, in some ways, begin to unteach people the very things we use to bring them to us in the first place. That's not to say, though, and I want to say this uh, really uh, clearly, what happened during the 90s, and the, many, many people came to faith in Christ and reoriented their lives around the teachings of Jesus. And it was a really extraordinarily good time and a season where God blessed us, but it was a season that we had to begin to move from. Okay, so go back to when it started and into the 90s. It, the whole thing, both starting it and then once the shift happened in the 90s, it sounds like there was just the church was growing, or when you were first here, when you and Diane were first here, that there was just tons to do. There was, you know, probably you and Diane when you first got here, to make something like that go, to get it started, the amount of things you were involved in or she was involved mm -hmm. in, all of the, I mean, what was that like, just all the... Well, again, I'm young at that point. I'm, I'm 30 years old, and uh, I, had, uh, I was, had rather a lot of energy and uh, probably worked too, hard, too many hours. Uh, uh, hold on. I would agree with you. And you know what? Oh. I feel a song coming on. What's <laughs> that? <laughs> I was talking to a visitor at the church one Sunday morning. He said, quite a place you got here. But the flower bed's full of weeds and thorns. Wow. You are a hard question. I said, man, that cost a bunch of dough. So I handed him a shovel, and I reached to grab my raking hole. Oh. You mean you don't just preach on Sundays? You do other stuff around here, too? I said, listen to the jobs that me and all the folks around here do. I've served everywhere, man. I've served everywhere, man. Read that bathroom air, man. Chairs, man, vacuum never stare, man. I've served everywhere. I've done some evergreen bush clipping, little kitty coat zipping, barbecue burger flipping, American River bleeder dipping, mailroom packing, shipping, stagecraft, ripping, ripping, prayer circle, hand gripping, falling off the stage, stripping, dedicated window wiper, console in the chronic wiper, multimedia screen typer, hold my nose, dirty diaper. I've served everywhere, man. I've served everywhere, man. Empty garbage cans, man. Rewired Everland, man. Scrub those pots and pans, man, I've served everywhere. I've done cool sounding horn blowing, Saturday morning lawn mowing, kids art new and then we play some peekaboo and arts, craft paper gluing, not another diaper fooling, hot sun, weed whacking, indoor dirty PC hacking, undergather table stacking, youth group circle hacking, sacking, bolded board, thumb tacking, where's the doctor? I'm cardiacking. I've served everywhere, man, I've served everywhere, man, held babes 
and rocking chairs, man. Polished silverware, man. Travel to Zaire. <laughs> Hanging country western guitar twanging Latin rhythm conga banging two bar harmonies singing Sunday morning breakfast ringing low voltage wire stringing ultimate frisbee flinging and a bit of dong binging up the catwalk ladder climbing even done some pantomime and hard to sing this awkward time and truthfully how's my rhyming? I've served everywhere man I've served everywhere man what? taught kids how to share man cook steaks meat and rare man lost most of my hair man I've served everywhere I've done my share of kid washing tangled up hair brushing food Prep, wall, percussion, translation, with interruption, mixing, sprinkler, right, our gushing, stopped up, toilet flushing, twice, and took the pop, the Russian, so embarrassed, faces flushing. Our house cooking, make the dinner, sing soprano, bass, and tenor, welcome team, I'm such a grinner. Unya, I'd be nine for a litter. I've served everywhere, man. I've served everywhere, man. Help folks park their car, man. Work the coffee bar, man. Done missions near and far, man. I've served everywhere. I've served everywhere. I thought that was just a really dumb question. Yeah, I know you did. He didn't know that was coming, so I just had to get him there, so that was funny. So, you see Brian and Dave. Brian and Dave have joined us. The reason that the three of us are wearing shorts is somewhere around the year two, let's see, it would have been 1999. Dave and Brian and I, at my leadership, we, we set up a contest where we wore shorts for a year. We had a contract, we had an appeals committee, and so I told these guys to wear shorts, here's why. I want you to hold them accountable. I won, no. and they never paid me. That's not it's, true. It's, it's not true. You, not you're true. horrible at telling not this true. story. No, I'm not, I'm, it's you're, spot on. The facts are, the facts are so skewed. Did we do a shorts contest? It was, okay. We're uh, off the, the tracks now, people, just FYI. I was, the one, I was the only one who did this whole thing. I was the one who, who taped it. You wore Why pants you every other Ohio? week. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I wasn't aware it was a contest. I thought it was like a communal No, it wasn't experience. a communal. Yeah, but contests like we, and competition we, breed community. Yes. Well, sure. We all did it. I, I, I didn't fail. Okay, great. Let's move on, fellas. So, in the scheme of things, right, we're into, I don't know what the year you was. You always have to win, Lucas. Yeah, true. <laughs> Not always, just... Over 500, you know, I want to be over 500 all the yeah. time. But uh, when did Dave, when did you come, Dave? Okay, so uh, uh, in the early days when Kent was doing everything, uh, 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 my wife had started attending the church here when she was in college, and she, uh, she actually was babysitting Holly. Oh, Holly left. Wow. Uh, the, um, Boom. Wow. But uh, so, so uh, my wife had then girlfriend had, Got to know Kent, and so when I met uh, her, and we decided to get married. Kent had done our uh, premarital counseling, and actually did our ceremony. And Holly and Heidi were in the were their flower girls. Yeah. It's very cool. And so I'd gotten to know Kent, no kills a little bit over the course of that process. We came and visited, and I and I, you know, had sniffed the air around here, and I was kind of excited about what year was this this was in 93 94 and 95 I I ended my failed career as an engineer and I was looking for a place to get into ministry so I we were up visiting and I called Kent and asked him for coffee and I essentially said well I want to work for you someday and I see you don't have a youth pastor so 
So that's what you came on originally right. as the youth pastor. Yes, I was, yeah, the student. Yeah. So 94. I started five. June 1st in 95. Okay. So I didn't recruit you. You no, came no, you begging didn't. for a job. I basically, yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so talk about the connection with Brian when you came on. So, so I came on, and, and Oak Hills was, you know, it was a younger church, but it was still, you know, it was still older, and, and there was, Kill and I were, were, I guess Kill and I, the Padrones we later found, were like the one couple, the two couples in the church uh, in our 20s at the time, uh, except for there was this other couple in there uh, that was Brian and his girlfriend Gina that had just started coming, and I was recruiting, building the team uh, for youth ministry, and I, I walked in the church one day and on a Thursday uh, for our new community, and before the service, I was real nervous because we're going to ask him to serve, and mm -hmm. that's it. That's a hard conversation to have. Uh, so, so I was walking in, and I yelled across the, hey, Brian, don't leave after the service because I want to sell you something. <laughs> that was my opening line, and it, it worked. worked. It worked. Yeah. And this is what, 90? It would have been somewhere in 95. Okay, so Brian, tell your story a bit. Yeah, so <clears throat> Gina and I were uh, dating in, 90, started dating in 93, and we uh, started looking for a church together, and uh, we had gotten, she and her family moved to Folsom, and we got a, she got a postcard from Oak Hills. It was a, it was a marriage, like a punching bag thing. Mm. Uh. By, remember those? And we were looking for a church to go to, and her mom said, hey, why don't you go to this church? We saw this little postcard thing. So we looked. This building was not here. So it was what's now known as the family auditorium was the church. That was it, right? And so we drove right past it and didn't even think of it. And, and we didn't go to church that Sunday because we didn't see it. And so we uh, <laughs> just drew. <laughs> so then we, we looked around, like drove around that, that week. We found where it was. So that next Sunday we came. Uh, and for a whole host of reasons that was unnecessary to get into, uh, it just felt right. The teaching was good. The music was uh, energetic and, and life-giving. And so we felt like this was a good home. So that was 90 Three early early ninety four ish that we started kind of somewhat attending. Then we started attending the new community, the midweek services you've been hearing about. Holcomb uh, uh, and I had kind of crossed paths not very well, but crossed paths a little bit. And then he had this selling kind of moment, uh, and it was specifically to back that story up on my end. Uh, the summer of ninety four, I had worked as a camp counselor, and God had really kind of stirred in my heart to do to do something with young people, with, with young people in general, uh, and I didn't know what that meant. Uh, fast forward that back now, this is summer of 94, fast forward that to now summer of 95, Holcomb comes over and says, I, we go to lunch, and he says, I think we are looking for a junior high boy small group leader. Uh, would you want to ever possibly do anything with junior high boy small group stuff? Uh, which if you know anything about junior high boys, uh, they talk about farting and pooping hmm. about 98% of it, right? And so naturally, I was like, that sounds great. <laughs> sounds great. So uh, I said, yeah, let's do it. And so that was nice. Sometimes summer or fall of 94, 95, uh, we started doing ministry together, volunteering as a junior high boys small group leader, and then eventually uh, interned for a summer, part-time for a while, and then uh, I think in 99... Uh, I was asked to be full-time staff junior high pastor in 1999, somewhere around the 99, 2000, somewhere. Okay, so we'll get to where that all goes yeah. for that. So Kent's here, 84, 84 to 90, 90, 
you know, it's kind of a traditional thing. 90, they go off to Chicago, come back. The whole church goes through a, a change from 90 to 2000. These two guys come 93, 4, 5-ish. Julie and I arrive in October of 95. And then we get up to 1999. Give Miss Colleen Gray a welcome. Before I ask Colleen the question, I was thinking about this uh, the other day. If, if you add up, I, this just blew me away, but not obviously, the church has only been here since 84, but the cumulative amount of time the five of us have into this place is over 100 years. Hmm. It's just weird. But anyway, so Colleen, you came in 99. Talk about what brought you here, what you came here to do. Well, my husband and I were at a church in the Bahamas. It was a Willow Creek model as well. And it became clear that it was time for us to move back to the States. So we were kind of putting out feelers of where we were going to go. And um, Oak Hills happened to have both a job for a children's person and a creative arts pastor. And so we started having conversations with Kent at that time and interviews and all of that. And then ended up in the summer of 1999. We moved out here to Folsom. And you came as a children's history. pastor? Yeah, I was children's director at that okay. time. But yeah. So you, when you came in 99, we were in this Willow Creek mode. Mm -hmm. Talk about what happened in the summer of 2000. The whole world changed. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I think from most of us, our perspective was everything was going great. We were growing. You know, it was, it was kind of the happening place to be. And then... Um, the Mike and Kent and the elders went away to um, Donner. So forever after that, it was known as the Donner Party. And, uh, you know, you can tell it better than I, but uh, what I was told was that um, God just kind of met you there in a really powerful way. And I think it, the question that kind of came up was, we are growing larger, but are we growing deeper? And, um, you know, people are coming to Christ, but then are they really changing, transforming? What, what's happening with their lives after that? And so before that weekend was done, I think you guys had felt a really clear call from God that um, the church needed to change. It, wonderful things were happening, but God was calling uh, to something more. And so you came back. And you announced to us that we were going to kind of leave that seeker, Willow Creek model kind of thing, and we were going to center the church around spiritual formation. And I don't know about you guys, but my response was kind of like, huh? <laughs> you know, I, truthfully, I really didn't even know what that meant, spiritual formation. I, I was kind of clueless. I had a, a pretty cut-and-dried small gospel of, um, you know, uh, you're a sinner, Christ died for you, you pray a prayer, you get into heaven, and then you kind of do your best up till that point. And suddenly then I'm being introduced to this gospel that was so much bigger. Certainly that was an important part of it, but it was so much bigger. And so for me, it was a little bit of a faith crisis, to tell the truth. Like, I, I wasn't sure. And then beyond that, what does this mean to me? There was the, okay, now, what does this mean to my ministry? You know, how do I lead kids in spiritual formation? And so it started a kind of a hard journey, but a beautiful journey. Yeah. So before we 
uh, tie back into some of these questions for all of you. Just as you think about when you came, whenever that was, going forward in the 90s or into the 2000s, we don't have time for everybody to talk about this, but anybody have anything that you remember that sticks in your mind, uh, good time, tough time, things that you recall from that era as we were climbing through both in the seeker days or into the formation time. Anybody have anything that strikes you as something that would be good to mention from that time? Well, one of the things that continues to come to my mind, just thinking about it, even right here, is the, the, the enormous amount of people who worked their buns off to make, to, to make this thing happen. The various staff people, and I'm gonna, I don't know if any of you here, I know Stephanie, I see, her over here, and uh, I'm not sure, uh, Kate Rick. Pia, of course, Rick, Rick Leary, um, but all the volunteers and things, the, the, the kind of... Sabrina. Sabrina over here, yes. The, um, the, the kind of work that went in to make that happen, uh, the communal kind of fun about that, uh, together, it was, yeah. it, it was beautiful. Uh, on that, I think one of the things that I always feel, and I'm glad to have an opportunity in a, in a, in a situation like this, is um, when we made the change in 2000, it was a necessary one. It was one God led us to. And in that process, I think, as people left, because at the end of the day, somewhere between 1,000 and 1,500 people left Oak Hills during that time, not only because of the style of church, but sometimes Mike and I were jerks and, um, and, and didn't do it well. But I think um, one of the things some people could have learned or got from that time who were part of us in the 90s is their real, very real experience with Jesus during the secret days, their coming to Christ, all that. The way I was uh, could sometimes have minimized or um, trivialized that experience. And God was actively involved in that time. It was a beautiful time. And I feel sometimes a sense of uh, repentance uh, over um, my own disillusionment that I had sometimes, and that came out perhaps in a way of diminishing the beauty of what happened yeah, during those that's years. Good. Someone else? <clears throat> I just think that one of the one of the strengths of our church back in those days, which uh, even progressed even past the two thousand mark, uh, which I think is also something that I, I took with me when I when I left out of here, was that there was a there was a willingness to fail. Mm-hmm. Right, and so so we're we're gonna try something new. I remember back when I was doing just junior high stuff, or then middle middle, uh, middle school, then high school stuff. All this stuff is like we're gonna try this. We've never tried this before. Mm-hmm. We get a kind of feeling like we should do something different, or we should try this kind of thing, and it flops. I remember we did. Uh, Stephanie is here. Yep. Stephanie is here. Over here. Where's Stephanie? Stephanie. We did a uh, and as an outreach thing, we did a dance. A middle school dance, which is a horrible idea. <laughs> horrible idea. Show for <laughs> Why? Because it was hard to find that? music. Oh my goodness, it was ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> just imagine all your worst nightmares of middle school dance. Yeah. Just, happening just at picture church, a twelve-year-old like, in handcuffs, yeah. Yeah. and we'll leave it. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. Yeah, it was fun. Believe me, they're uh, all picturing it. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, but there was that. this culture that said. Uh, try it. Yeah. Let's try this. Let's let's not let's not be the ones that say we can't do that because we've either never done it before or we've always done it this way before. Let's let's try that. And that uh, and we failed a lot. Uh, and we did things that I would never do 
again. Uh, but there was just a culture and an acceptance of, and almost like an expectation as a staff member yeah. that, that we're going to do something different here. Yeah. And we're going to fail, and that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. So talk for a minute about you when you left and where you went. Mm -hmm. uh, and maybe you're in Ohio now, mm -hmm. Lima. Is it Lima? It's Lima. Is it Lima or no, Lima? It's Lima? Lima, like okay. So talk about that, how you ended up there, and yeah. something you've learned about yourself, God, church, sure. since being in Ohio. Sure. So uh, 2015, Gina and I and our kids left. Um, I'm the lead pastor at the church in Lima. It's uh, Crossroads Church of God is our church. Uh, <clears throat> there's a whole thing there's unnecessary to get into, but in that 2012 uh, 13 realm uh, began to kind of feel stirring from this young people stuff to be find a place where we can help orient and help a, a whole church orient around not only spiritual formation but uh, intergenerational and caring for the next generations along the way in a real helpful way redemptive way uh, and felt like there were some leadership things that I wanted to, to, to mm -hmm. try and, and to get at and so we left and we went there uh, as it relates to uh, kind of some of the learnings I've been doing, some of the thing, same things that were going on at Oak Hills eight, nine, ten years ago have been going on with me and throughout my time at, at Crossroads. And one of the things I continue to come back on is that I have resolved myself to be a beginner uh, and, and to just be okay with that I'm, I'm a beginner in the spiritual formation and my own growth, my own understanding of Christ-likeness and my own understanding my own story and that kind of stuff that, that I feel like I'm going to be a beginner and that's okay. Uh, I've resolved to be in that place and to learn. I think one of the mistakes I did uh, in my time here was through all the failings and all that kind of stuff, we were the church of that was kind of happening and stuff like that. And I felt like I, I quote, knew how to run junior high ministry stuff and middle school, high school stuff. And I felt like I almost began to be, uh, uh, I don't want to say super arrogant, yeah. but a little, mm. right? Uh, like, I know this. I know this. I'd go to conferences, and I'd listen to people do stuff, and I'd go, yeah, but I know this. I know this. And, I mean, our ministry's big, and our ministry's this, and everyone knows about us. And, and, uh, and that was an unformed part of my heart that uh, needed to be shaped. Cool. That's and good. so I think resolving to be a beginner yeah. in this in the in the staff and pastoral stuff uh, as well as being a beginner in the formational stuff that, that I'm I'm okay That's you good. know learning and preaching from a standpoint of saying uh, I'm not one who has arrived at these places but I'm I'm beginning to learn deeper things and I invite you to learn with me and that's becoming more of my That's great. Idea, so. so Dave you you had a couple stints yeah. of Leaving, coming back. Uh, what I'd like you to talk about is your time in LA and what, similar to what Brian said, what'd you learn? What sure. Did you... Sure. So, I, uh, but I will talk about Albania, please, even though you yes. steered me away from that. So, uh, my wife and I actually, we left uh, to do church planning in Albania right when this whole transition was started, right in 2000. And that was a very tumultuous time. I think one of the things that was confirming for me in that whole experience is I think one of the things that as a leadership we were feeling in those days is that we were wondering, are we the only ones that feel this way about the church? Are we the only ones that are sensing these stir Are we crazy is, is, a, is a common thing uh, that would come up. And so 
one of God's gifts to me is it was we fly over to Albania and literally at the end of the road in the mountains of Albania I found this guy that had been asking all the same questions mm -hmm. and so uh, so I went there and in kind of in the turmoil that we were here and just encountered him and realized no this isn't just us. This is, we're not the only ones that are feeling this, yeah. but God is doing this all over. And I think if, if you're uh, the general takeaway, take I think that was an experience that we had even when we went to LA, is to realize that as, as much as we love Oak Hills and as much as we feel that God has used the church for doing great stuff, he, this isn't the church that he goes to on Sunday mornings. Like it, God is doing stuff all over the place all the time. And and it's and it's unique stuff, but similar. So so you know we found that experience in, in Albania, go to LA in 2011, and in a lot of same ways find kindred spirits and people that are on the same journey. And so uh, so and experience God in new ways. Uh, you know I think the the main thing that I would take away from from our time in LA or the church that we encountered was a church that was better at a few things than we were. I mean, uh, we went to a church in L.A. that, you know, here we've always aspired to be an intercultural expression uh, and, and figure out how to do, you know, unified diversity well. We went to a church that they did it well, and they were that, and so we were able to learn a lot from them. Uh, we, 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 all, it, we also talk about being a place of hospitality. We went to the church we went to L.A. that was just... It was inherent in their culture of who they were, and it wasn't something that they tried. Like the congregation, the community had been formed into this value. So, uh, so that was a couple things that I experienced. But I really, this idea that as much as I love Oak Hills, um, God's working all over the place yeah. all the time. It's cool. good work. So, last question, and I'd love for all of you to weigh in on this in whatever order you want. But uh, all four of you. Colleen's been here since 99. I've been here since 95. Uh, the other, others of you have gone off and, and gave Dave's case come back. So here's the question. With all your experiences, all your time in leadership, role as a pastor, missionary, whatever the role has been, you're thinking about Oak Hills. You're thinking about, talk a little bit about the past. We're heading into the future, excited, unclear, but exciting. I'd like each of you to give a hopeful challenge to us as we embark on this next season. But he's looking at me. I guess <laughs> <Yep>. it's me. <laughs> um, I would love for us to continue to grow. I think we're doing an amazing job at this, but I would love for us to just continue to grow into this area of walking into our mess, into all the inward stuff, of learning how to um, look at who we are, who God is, um, the mess inside of us, the brokenness, the mess of being a community, uh, the mess of living in this pretty broken world, and just really walk right into that and find that God is right there with us and to grow in that. I, I, I want us to be a people of healing and hope, and I feel like those are the kind of people that will change Good. the world. Good word. Good. Who else? Uh, I think for, for, for me, it's it continuing the process that I think we're, we're on of church going from this thing that we go to 
to this thing that we are and, and finding new ways to be the church, which is, you know, where the good stuff really happens. Good. Mm-hmm. Fellas? You want to read something? Do you want, uh, you want me to go? You look like you're, yeah, go. Okay. Is that font going to be big enough? Yeah, I think so. I got glasses. We, we can have it put up yeah. on the if screen. If you pinch you it open, it gets bigger. Yep. I got it. I know how to do okay. that. The, the, um, I hope 20 font is big enough. That's right. That's right. It is. 22 is down here. um, Let me do a challenge and then the hope. Uh, The the, the challenge uh, and hopefulness is a really good thing to affirm you guys. Uh, The challenge is the church is in a time of real transition right now, the capital C church. Um, It's in in trouble, actually, in many ways. Church would do fine because Jesus is is in charge. But things are changing and people are asking questions and this next generation will have to figure uh, that out. One of the things we do know is that uh, young people are leaving the church in um, in droves, Uh, millennials, Gen Z, um, and all signs is that they're not coming back. And And people ask a lot of the reasons. Russell Moore, who is a great guy to read and pay attention to, he just wrote an article called Losing Our Religion. One of the things he says in it, well worth looking at the article. He says, we now see young evangelicals walking away from evangelicalism, not because they do not believe what the church teaches, but because they believe the church itself does not believe what the church teaches. Um, and going on at the end of the, at the, end of the article, uh, if I can get to it, he says, we are losing a generation not because they are secularists, but because they believe that we are. Meaning there's a sense in which we haven't become that different from the world. The last few years kind of demonstrated that. The same antagonisms, the same anger, the same uh, us versus them, uh, as opposed to being a community of people who are learning, as David said, to to have this uh, generous hospitality, uh, attending to the needs of those around us, uh, an anxious free presence in, in, in the world, uh, uh, an orientation around those who are on the, the, the margins, uh, uh, overflowing of love. In other words, being people who are different, not people who coerce or power over, but are just the beautiful people who have learned how to live in this way. And uh, so that's the challenge. If that doesn't happen, the church is in trouble. The, the hopefulness is, I just went to this religious thing on Saturday, it's unimportant what it was, but I met a a uh, pastor, retired pastor, and he comes up to me. He says, "Kent, I just got to say, I was just—I've been visiting Oak Hills during the last few times. He's got other things he's doing, but I went. He's going. I don't know what's going on there, but that I haven't seen that before. Uh, I walked in there, and there's this. This guy's, you know, been around for a while. Really good dude. And he goes, I, I, I want to be there. He lives quite a quite a ways distance." But you guys, the, the, the stuff that Colleen says, pushing into that, it just bleeds out of who you are. And it's, it's real and it's beautiful. And uh, he says, I, whatever's happened there, keep doing a double, double down on it. And I guess if there was one word that I would use in this time, it would be courage. Yeah. The, um, <laughs> it, it would be... Ridiculous. You got it in there. That's yeah, really good. Are you kidding? No. Almost. No, so is that. that really the word? Yes. Or did you just no, want to no, do that? That's no, that's okay. I thought of it. I'm going to say. I, mean, I don't care either no. way. I love then it. Then I have to. Yeah. Go with said, believe in this. Uh, the, um, but it's courage in this world 
to kind of decide that we are going to be different mm -hmm. and courage to walk into our own stuff, courage in order to go out into this world and believe that Jesus is with us. And don't be afraid of, of pushing out there because that's a hopeful thing. Something is going on here at Oak Hills. Good work. Good work. Brian? Uh, yeah, I thought uh, when you were asking that earlier, I thought about uh, two things that have been just kind of rattling around in my mind as of late, as last couple of months and such, and I'd encourage you uh, with some of these, these two things as well. The first is that uh, your life with Jesus, while it is personal, it's not private. Mm -hmm. uh, there's nothing in the New Testament, in fact, all the language in the New Testament that talks about formation is communal. Uh, Peter tells us that you are a holy nation, a royal priesthood, right? Paul tells us that we're built up into a body of Christ, uh, you know, that there's this, you, there's this connectedness. So while your life with Jesus is deeply personal, uh, it's not private, and it was never intended to be private. Uh, and so my encouragement to you, my challenge and hopeful challenge is that uh, you dive into the personal aspect of your life, but do it uh, together, uh, because it is your life with Christ is not meant to be private. Uh, it's meant to be personal, for sure. There's some work that you need to do, uh, that I need to do, uh, but it won't be really done if it's done in isolation outside of the role of community. Community, one of the four objectives of, yep. of the church, is not just some nice thing that we do, but it is integral in our formation. It is deeply integral into who we are. So the first thing is that your life with Christ, while it's personal, is not private. Uh, and the second thing that we've been talking about here, and we were thinking about just the other day was we had fun playing together and reminiscing about the blessings of God has done and how he's blessed the church over this these last years. Um, came to my mind as I've thought, just because I've thought about these things mm -hmm. recently as well, that every time that you see blessing in the scriptures, it is a blessing when it flows through you, not just to you. The blessing from God is not just something for your own benefit, but it is to be through you that the benefit goes to the other people. If you, you will remember when God calls Abraham in Genesis, that I will bless you with all these descendants outnumbering the sands of the sea and all the stars of the sky. I will bless you. I will give you a nation. I will, I will give this stuff to you so that through you all nations will be blessed. The blessing comes to you, but it is meant to go through you. So what does that look like for my life with Christ to be seen Christ-likeness shaped into me that I can become more loving and joyful and patient and peaceful and, and abundant in my own life with Christ, that that blessing that I receive flows through me to the person that is serving me at the restaurant, to my neighbor, to the person in the cubicle next to me, to my physical neighbor, to my relatives and to the people that I love, that the, that the blessing that I have received in my life with Christ is not just something that I can look with my holier-than-thou nose up in the air, but it is only truly a blessing when it flows through me. This campus is only a blessing to the church when it flows through the church to Folsom. Uh, your life is only blessed by God when the Spirit of God flows through you to 
the people that you interact with, that you become Jesus interacting with people around you. So my encouragement to you is that your life with Jesus, while intended to be very personal, is never private. And the blessing that you receive from God is never a blessing until it flows through you. Good words. Good words by all of you. Thank you. Um, Please. So I told you when we started it was going to be late. It is late, but we have... Uh, the most important practice we engage in as a church family, the practice of the table, which is a place to remember, a place to be together, and a place to worship. So, would you bow with me as we pray, and then we'll have our communion time. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thank you for my friends up here, the roads they've walked, the way that you have shaped them and their families, the good work you've done in them, and the way that they continue to pour that work out uh, here and in other places. We're grateful for your faithfulness to us through the years. You have been good to Oak Hills Church. You have provided for us. You have been faithful, and we have seen it, and we have experienced it. And we're thankful, and we recognize you as our King and as our Lord, who has done these good things. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.